Welcome back to Progress Over Perfection. We are just short of 150 listeners. Thank you to each and every one of you who have listened, who we've had the chance to meet, who reached out to Sila to encourage her on this journey, and who've taken the time to, to share, subscribe, review, rate, etc. Thank you so much. It means so much to Sila, and it means so much to me. So here we are with episode three. Yes, Sila's uh, second marriage and, and how that turned out. I think there's going to be a lot of wisdom and insight in this episode. I'm excited for you guys to hear it. Enjoy. All right. So welcome back. So we just uh, you know, talked about your divorce and just wanted to get a sense from you after your divorce. You know, Where were you in, in life? How were you feeling? What was your outlook going forward? So after my first divorce, um, I definitely went through a long healing process. Um, I did therapy. I, you know, really kind of stepped back and try to evaluate, you know, what roles I played in that and what I could have done better and um, definitely, you know, got back to myself. Um, Eventually, I decided that I wanted to get back out there and date. You know, I valued family and my biggest desire was to be a mom. I really, really wanted a family. Um, I had had some fertility issues um, in my, you know, early, late 20s. And um, I thought maybe it was him. And so I, you know, wanted to try that. You know, it sounds crazy now, but looking back, everybody in my life then was, married with kids. And I wanted to be a part of that. And I thought that I had to get back out there and uh, find somebody in order to start a family. So I, I did. Okay. Oh, you did. Okay. Well, we'll, I think we'll get to that. (laughs) So, so how did you meet your second husband? Okay. So my second husband, we met online. He lived in North Carolina. Uh, We talked for what seemed like forever, um, until he decided that he would come visit me here in person in Maryland. Um, and we hit it off, honestly. We had a lot in common. He was from a big family. His dad was a pastor. Um, we both had a strong church upbringing where we you know, lived in the church and we were there all the time. We had both been divorced and we both did not have any children. So um, in getting to know each other and dating, we realized those were desires for both of us, um, that we wanted to have a family and have kids. So uh, we spent the first half of, um, for the beginning, I'm sorry, not the first, at the beginning of our dating um, time, he would either come see me in Maryland or I would drive halfway between North Carolina and Maryland and we would check out cool towns. We'd explore sites, you know, we'd get to know each other better. Um, He would always come to Maryland to visit me. I never went to North Carolina and visited him. And he always used the like Southern gentleman. I don't want you to drive. I'll come to you thing. And I believed that at the time later, I found out why and we'll get into that. But um, yeah, I had never gone to North Carolina to visit him. He had always come and seen me. Um, So after dating for quite some time, he called me with so much excitement that his job has offered to relocate him to Maryland and that he was going to take it and that he wanted to move here and get married and start a family and start a life and all of that. So that's how our dating started. Mm. So I guess he moved here mm-hmm. and things proceeded. So, uh, you know, why did you get married again? 
<laughs> again, well, marriage was so important to me. It was all I knew. It was all that was modeled for me. Um, so I felt like in order to belong in the circle that I grew up with and family and life and church and outlets that I had, it, you didn't belong unless you were married. I, I remember my sisters, not including me, on a girl's trip um, when I was divorced after my first divorce. And I was so hurt by it. And they, the excuse that I was given was, you're not married. You're single. Your life is so different. You don't fit into our married friend group. And it really hurt me. And it still hurts to this day that there were so many times that in between my first and second marriage, I was not included because I wasn't married. And they weren't going to invite the single girl with all of the married people. So I felt like I had no other choice but to get married because that's the only way that I was going to fit into the world around me. Um, and plus, I really, really wanted children. And being a single mom or having a baby on my own was not something that was ever modeled or even discussed. I didn't know anybody that had decided, you know what, I'm doing this on my own and I'm going to be a mom by choice. I'm going to be a single mom by choice. I didn't, I didn't know that was even a thing. Um, I knew there were people that had done it, but nobody in my circle that I could go to and talk about and, you know, get information on how you go about doing that. So in my mind, the only option was to get married again. Um, and I wanted to feel belong there when I was divorced, you know, even like within church and church friends, you know, it's different when you're married than when you're single and how you're included or um, accepted. Okay. So this is so interesting to hear. The, the need for inclusivity to still the, the through line theme of of um, your, your second husband's uh, dad being a pastor. So it's just so, so interesting to st so, still hear that. So was there still pressure for perfection? At oh, this? my gosh. Yes. Okay. So much. I mean, it sounds like yeah. so much. I mean, after my divorce, I was asked so many questions uh, about being single and are you going to get married again? And when are you going to get married again? And are you dating? Jeez, right, da, 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 da. Jeez, jeez. So it was like a pressure for that, for that to be my life. Um, I felt so much guilt and so much shame around being divorced. And it made me want to get married again because it was almost like I could make that go away. If I got married again, people will forget about this first husband of mine right. and the craziness that I had been through. I'll redeem myself. I'll get married again. I'll show perfection, the, the false fake perfection that I was raised to show. Um, if I got married again, that's what I felt I needed to do. Right. Um, I was made to feel that something was wrong with me for not staying married or the fact that I couldn't make my drug addicted husband stop doing drugs. So it was almost like I had to fix this. I had to show the world that I could do this. I could be married, you know, all of these things. Um, and I just felt like I had so much shame around the choices that I had made to walk away from the first marriage, you know, despite his addiction that I, I really wanted to make it right. I wanted to, I, I wanted family. I wanted marriage. I wanted a healthy, fun life that I could do with somebody that shared my same values. Hmm. So where did um, the terms of the family part in that? Now you said you wanted to have, have children. Where did that fit in? So I had some female issues, um, early twenties 
And I was told by the doctors that having children may be a challenge for me. Um, they said that I have PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. It is a homo ho hormonal, sorry, hormonal disorder um, that causes large cysts on your ovaries. Um, this PCOS can also cause fertility issues, insulin resistant, weight issues like weight gain. It's really hard to lose weight, um, acne and severe fatigue. Um, and so I'd often wonder like, well, you know, why am I have more acne than my sisters or why do I seem so tired? And I, did, I never knew until they told me that. Um, and it made sense because I would have these sharp shooting pains in my ovaries. I mean, so bad. It would almost bring me to my knees in the grocery store. They would come out of nowhere and it would just be so, so painful. So I knew that something was wrong um, before even they had told me that I had that. But because of having PCOS, they said that having children would really not be possible if, if at all. There were some medications I could try, which I did. I tried even some diabetes medication um, that they have found that works for some people. I was on that for many, many years. Um, and I just, it wasn't, it wasn't possible for me. So I decided that I wanted to try fostering and my father was adopted. And so that was always something that was close to my heart. So I went um, and did the fostering and adoption. So you were married courses. at this point? Yes, and you we, we were married at okay. that point. Okay. Um, I did all the work. He complied with what he needed to comply with because he knew it was so important to me. Um, but I was already married at that point. We ended up fostering two children, a brother and a sister. Um, I had been licensed for two spots. Um, one was for adoption and one was for foster. But when they called me and they had a brother and a sister that they did not want to separate, you know, I have siblings. I couldn't have imagined what these little guys, little guy and little girl were going through. Um, and so I took them both. And um, it, it was it was tough. I will be honest. It was difficult. I loved it. It's something I would definitely consider doing again. But the back and forth with the state and the mom was a lot. Um, I, I do want to say that I'm still in the kids' lives. They are teenagers now. Their mom is doing wonderful. They're doing wonderful. I still chat with her. You know, it, it's definitely fostering is something very, very close to my heart. It's something I would consider. Maybe you, you know, would consider doing it with me well, someday. We talked about it before the pandemic mm -hmm. and then, you know, the pandemic paused a few things. Yes. We might have to do a whole podcast on that because I learned so <laughs> much in fostering. Um, and it, it really was rewarding, although it was difficult also. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what were, you know, so you had these, so why? So you just, you know, so your second marriage, um, you're still here in, in Maryland. Um, and, and then, you know, what, what were some of the struggles that, you know, become, you know, began to come to the surface? Um, in, in your marriage and, and what ultimately happened. So I'll I'll just lead with the with the with the truth with the bottom line. I married a habitual cheater, and I did not realize that going in. But I will tell you, it showed itself pretty quickly into the marriage, um, and I was not not going to be divorced again. So I made excuses for him. I tried to cover it up. I tried to deal with it. Um, I just was like, oh, no way. We are not doing this again. <laughs> I am not going through a divorce again. I'm going to ride this thing and hopefully he'll get it together. Now, I do want to pause and say, because a lot of people that hear this or hear stories like this, imagine 
you know, that, that we're just out living life and doing our thing. I, I want to be really clear. We were active in church. We were in church every Sunday. We served in the youth group. We both served on the worship team. I mean, this wasn't like us out willy nilly and not getting the good word and not going to church. No, we were. And I'm going to share with you some of the things that were happening. But I do want to say that there are people if you are a church going person, there are people probably in your church dealing with some of these same issues that that I have ha had to deal with. Well, going to church don't mean you know Jesus. Ain't that the yeah. truth? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a whole sermon on that one. Um, Come back next week. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what started with like inappropriate texting with women um, that he would get caught, then it turned into dating profiles, and then it turned into full-blown relationships with other women. Um, I definitely realized something was off pretty early on when he had to run to the store, would be hours long, and he would come back with nothing. I'm like, what you go to the store for? Did you eat it on the way home? I mean, like, wh what were you doing? Or he'd want to go for a walk, and he'd be gone for a very long time. And I'm like, where the heck is he walking to? So, you know, it it was it definitely were the signs. And then, you know, after that, it would be he disappeared to the basement in the middle of the night. And I'd wake up because I go to the bathroom in the middle of the night a lot. I'd wake up and he'd be gone. And I'd be like, where is he? And I'd go like walking around the house and I'd find him in the basement on the phone or on a computer or doing something. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, I couldn't sleep. And I'm like, this was like multiple times a week. Um, and then it really became more clear to me when he started taking boys trips and it was, it felt like it was constant. There were always a boys trip, but let me tell y'all, it was never a boys trip. I would later found out. I was going to say, okay, boys trip, okay. Yeah. He was later spending weekends with women, uh, but it was so-and-so's birthday and we're going to this football game and we're doing this and we're doing, and we're going to make a whole weekend out of it. And it would be this whole story. And he would honestly be kind of MIA, but I would try to respect that as a wife. I didn't want to be overbearing and not respect his time with what I thought was his friends. Um, so I'm just kind of throwing that out there for other women in case you are in my situation. Be aware of the signs. There are signs and, and you know your gut, trust your gut, trust your instincts. You know if something doesn't feel right. Um, so shortly after we received the foster kids, um, I was sitting in their room because we had a room designated for them with a crib and a toddler bed. I was folding their clothes, putting them away. And I got a phone call from a woman who was in a, said she was in a relationship with him, told me a lot of details about him, things that you would pretty much only know if you're in a relationship with him. Um, and that he had told her that they were sep that we were separated um, and that we were our divorce was almost final. Um, she had gone on to tell me that they had pla they were planning to get married. They've already looked at wedding venues. They've already selected their wedding colors. And when she told me the wedding colors, I was like, oh, mm, girl is definitely telling the truth because she told his exact specific color. And it's very specific. It ain't like, oh, I like green. Mm -mm. So um, I knew she wasn't lying to me. And honestly, guys, she was the first of many, many more. Um, but I, I really felt like there was nothing I could do. I felt like I had to deal with it and I had to put up with it because how was I going to continue this fake life of perfection when my second husband is cheating on me constantly? 
it, it just, it was too much. It was so much. So I faked it for a long time. People at church had no idea. Um, even some of my family probably didn't know right away. Um, it was it was really hard to deal with alone, and I put up with with it for way way longer than anyone should. I could sit here and tell you probably ten to fifteen different women and different stories that I dealt with, but that would just that would be just like a complaining session, and that's not what I'm trying to do. But I want I need you guys to understand this wasn't just one off or two off or three off or four off. I mean, this was a lot, and these were just the ones that I caught or the ones that contacted me. You know, who knows how many more there were that I never even heard from or he got caught. Um, so I definitely don't want this to be about that. But I will say I even I have even had another woman's husband contact me because he caught them together. And that was just so mortifying that like, Ooh. you know, my husband's girlfriend's husband called me. That, that just let that sit for a second. That's so embarrassing. Mm. Um, and he's hurt and mm. I'm hurt and he's asking me how I didn't know. And, you know, it just, it's, it's was really, really difficult to deal with. Um, so how long were you guys married or in, a, in you know, we were under, total under, married, under the same roof? Total. We were married for about four to five years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. So I put up with it for a while. Um, and I will tell you, Eventually, he got sloppier and sloppier, and um, he couldn't hide it as much as he did before. And when he got sloppier with it, he started coming closer to home for me. So I couldn't hide it. I couldn't protect my false perfection and my life is so great because he started engaging in a relationship with a woman at our church, a woman that we served with in the youth department. At first he tried to act like, oh, I'm just trying to be a role model. She's a single mom and her kids, you know, and I'm just gonna go over and help her fix some stuff around the house. And I bought that for a little bit because I thought, no, no woman from church that I serve with would start a relationship with my husband. Well, boy, was I ever wrong. So they ended up having a sexual relationship um, that he, you know, told me about because I found out we had gotten a new house together. um, And I had found out that he had been in that home with her before we moved in. And I was so upset and I confronted him about it. And he had told me that they had had relations in the house before any of our belongings were there. He acted like he was going over to drop off stuff to make a run to the new house. And she had met him there. And so that was really, really hard. Um, As a result of that, I got removed from the worship team. I got removed from serving, which was so, so hard because I needed people more than ever. And So you got removed? I got removed. We all did. Okay. We all did. Okay, but... But yeah. I didn't have anything to do with this. Right. I didn't do yeah. it, any of this. I needed those people on the worship team. I needed those women and people that I serve with in the youth department. I, I, everything was ripped away from me. It was so hard to deal with because it was like my support system was ripped away from me because he's cheating with another woman in the church. Mm. So, you know, and I've never returned to the worship team since then. And maybe God one day, you know, will bring me back. But it's 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 still a sore subject for me. Let me, let me she she can sing. Let me, <laughs> let me, let me, uh, we'll, we'll have to have, talk about that another time. But go Thank ahead. You I'm, sorry, you're so sweet. She, I'm sorry. She can't sing. She can sing. Sang. She can sing. <laughs> 
so, you know, it started with that. And then um, the last one that I know of was actually a girlfriend from high school. Um, I had gotten her or him, I can't remember, a job in the same place. Um, they both worked in dentistry, as I do also. And they started having a relationship that started in the workplace. And one of their coworkers had even called me or Facebook messaged me. I can't remember how she contacted me and gave me a heads up that something wasn't right. So I already had known that I should be aware of something is going on. And, you know, they start engaging in a work relationship that then progressed to a work trip. Um, he had even gone as far as getting a separate cell phone and cell phone number, and he would keep that cell phone locked in his glove box. And I eventually found it. One day he was in the shower. I went out. It was my car. It was in my name. So it was my glove box. I had every right to go into that car and found the cell phone and found text messages and voicemails. So, you know, I know that that friend of mine tried to deny that that ever happened, but I clearly know that that happened. Um, and that was it for me. I think it was like two hit home. I could, the jig was up. I could not keep up this false perfection. And I really thought that I, I just can't do this anymore. I, I cannot. So I had asked him to leave. Um, he said he couldn't leave right away, but could I give him some time, which I did. And um, he eventually left, but he didn't go, he didn't, you know, go anywhere alone. He had already had another girlfriend in another state and he just basically moved in from, with her. That's why he needed that extra time, I realize now. Um, so once our separation, the year separation was almost over, I had lost complete track of him. Like there were so many different women he had gone through in that year, moving in, moving out. You know, I, I was like, oh my God, I am never going to find him. But I started with the proceeding of trying to locate him. And during that next, probably almost a year it took me to fully get divorced, I ended up having to have him served at five different women's homes. Um, and it was like the second I would locate where he was. And I located where he was because women kept calling me or Facebook messaging me because they, he had hurt them. And then they had found out he was cheating. And then they know who the new person he had gone and moved with. It was, it was like a cat, cat and mouse game. I was always trying to find him. And side note, paying to have someone serve five times is not cheap. Um, so that was really frustrating too on top of other, you know, very difficult financial situations that he put me through. Um, I finally got my divorce papers back <laughs> and um, the, the divorce was final. He had signed them. So I had thought. Um, and I eventually, about a month later, got a phone call from a woman in California that called to let me know that she signed my divorce papers. And okay. yes, that and now for all y'all legal people out there that are all worried about it, they were sent directly to the state. The state did their little thing. And then they sent me back the divorce decree with the sealed document on it. So I never saw the signature. Oh, so we still good. We good. We good. We good. <laughs> we're, we're fine. I never saw the signature. And so when the woman called me, you know, she told me, or I will never forget this. She said, I used to sign his paychecks. So I knew how, yes, I know you're looking at me crazy. I used to sign his paycheck. So I know how to write his name. And I was like, what? Like, okay. I, I, all right, whatever. So um, she had caught him cheating 
And um, they had not, they were not no longer together. Um, He was violent with her. There was a domestic violence charge she had brought against him. Police were involved. It was a whole story. But I think she felt like she needed to get it off her chest and tell me that she was the one that signed the papers. So there's really nothing I could have done at that point. My divorce was final. Um, You know, so I'll never know. I never saw the signature, so I'll never know. But who knows? Who knows? knows? It's so crazy. Uh, But probably for the next five to seven years, I would get calls from women so much trying to figure out the truth. Um, One woman told me about a website website called DoNotDateHimGirl.com. Have you ever heard of this? No, 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 I'm not. Okay, so supposedly, (laughs) at least, you know, many, many, many years ago, 10 plus years ago, um, there was a website called do not date him girl.com. And, and he, she, he was the face. He was the face. He was the face of the website. Uh, yeah, no, but she was, said he was on there a few times because yeah, he, he, had multiple he had multiple people on there. Yeah. So I, it got exhausting, honestly, guys, like getting these calls from these women because it was the same story and they'd call me and I'd be like, let me tell you, I, I can tell you exactly probably what happened. And I would say a couple things. She's like, Oh my gosh, how did you know that? Because this is who he is. This is what he does. And so finally, I ended up changing my phone number. It was too much. Um, I just didn't. Go ahead. Well, no, can I, well I, I just want to. I know this is like crazy and it's obviously a lot of deta- detail. I'm sure that you forgot, long forgotten. But I just want to say when we were first married, there was a woman from Atlanta who reached out to you yeah. on Facebook mm-hmm. and you gave her your number. And for a few months, you guys were talking like every few days, it seemed. Mm-hmm. And she was like trying to figure out what to do about him and unpacking all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, okay, like, of course you hear this and you're like, okay, I don't know if all this is real, but whatever. I love my, this woman. And so life goes on. But then when that came, when that happened, I'm like, okay, dad, this is, this is yeah. legitimately. And like, that's after I changed my phone number. Right. Well, you, she, she, I remember she hit you on Facebook. And, you, and I went back and to my maiden name. Yeah. So she really found me. Yeah, like right. she took the time to find me and we talked and I tried to support her, but, and, and she, he had done the same thing to her and she was just broken, Yeah. you know? And so I feel like during those five to seven years of those women contacting me, it was like I was providing therapy for all these women. It, like it, yeah. it really was. Cause it was like, I've been there. I understand. I know you deserve better. You're better than this. You know, it was like constant, but it's, it's really sad that this is who he was, you know? So, I mean, just to give you a, an idea, I mean, you, you got contacted by um, a, a major news outlet. I did. To, to talk about I did. your experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to talk about who, who contacted sure. you, what network, and, so, and, what, and what did you decide to do? I got contacted by a producer um, for John Quinones, who is with ABC News. I think he does the What Would You Do Now or something. Yeah, like, That's what he does yeah. now. But you guys got to remember this. Was, was it like for 2020 or like, was it for this for 2020 I, or I don't know? I never identified okay. what it was for. Yeah. Um, and the, the producer had told me that basically one of John Quinones's personal friends had had a run-in with him and that he had stolen from her. He had cheated on her. Wow. He tried to ruin her life. She was actually a dentist. Remember, I said he worked in dentistry. Right. So she was actually a dentist out in California. And he had stolen from her practice. He had done bleaching when she wasn't there and then took the money and, you know, just a lot of really horrible things and lied and cheated. And and so as, I guess, as John Quinones was a friend of this woman he and started digging into him, um, they contacted me because I was the last known wife. And right. so they wanted to see if I was willing to be a part of it. Now, in the beginning, remember I told you guys he was 
once divorced and had no kids. That is what I thought. I did not know until after our divorce that I was his fourth wife. One, two, three, four. I was number four. I did not know that. And I thought about it after the fact, like I had to, when I filed for our marriage license, I had to list previous divorces. I only listed one. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know. And so they had told me at that time, no, no, there were four before you. Can I I give a pro tip? If you guys, if you're dating or you're courting, you're thinking about, you know, somebody, at least in the state of Maryland, but I've, I've searched in other states. There's a thing called legal case search. You can go up and put somebody's name in that joint. You'll see the, uh, and they have, they have moving violations or like, you know, speeding tickets, ran a stop sign. You'll see that if they've been married, if they got a criminal background, right? I was looking at doing business with someone one time and saw that they had some domestic yeah. stuff in court. And that was a kind of a red flag for me. Ended mm-hmm. up not doing business with this individual. So pro tip, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Just with the internet age, just just look up, know who you're dealing with. Exactly. I <laughs> wish I would have known that. But Maryland case search probably would have done me no good. He didn't. Right. He wasn't married to any yeah. woman in so, Maryland. Yeah. So and he would move from state to state. So mm-hmm. that would yeah. have been really good. But honestly, guys, I politely declined. I was not interested. I felt like that chapter of my life was over. I was trying to heal from that. I wanted to put that in my past. I didn't want that drama. So we're telling the story that John Keonis wanted on our podcast. <laughs> Boom. Boom. There you go. So yeah, I, I was not interested in that whatsoever. Whew, what a story. Um, so I know we asked this question last week. So, but you know, how did, you know, being divorced twice at this point, I guess, late twenties, early thirties point in your life, how did that affect you and impact you? Wow. So uh, where do I begin? Right. <laughs> because it, affected me greatly. I mean, I feel like that's even an understatement. Um, Honestly, like psychologically and emotionally, it was really hard, like so hard. I didn't seem to trust my instincts. I didn't trust others. Um, My emotions were all over the place. I'd have more, way more bad days than good, but it would be highs and super, super lows. Um, I would say I really strongly recommend if you are going through a divorce or anything similar to this, that's really difficult to find a therapist or a support group Mm -hmm. immediately. I mean, there are support groups in churches that are free, you know, plenty of programs, 12 step programs that meet locally in people's communities that are free. Um, I think there's even like a divorce care in, in some churches. So I just really recommend not doing this alone because your mind will play tricks on you. Um, loneliness, loneliness was really a hard one for me. Mm. I was so incredibly lonely and I longed for physical touch. Um, I remember feeling really stupid one day asking my youngest brother, to hug me. And I cried mm-hmm. because I missed the physical touch so much. And he probably thought I was a weirdo. He probably like, okay, why is my sister asking me to hug her? But I hadn't been hugged in so long and I needed a hug. So if you have anyone in your life who is going through a divorce, love on them, hug them. Sometimes just a longer lingered hug and whispering to someone in their ear that I love you and I'm here for you makes the world of difference. I know that firsthand. Uh, Financial. It was such a toll financially. I could sit here and list a ton of different things um, that 
you know, I had to suffer financial losses during this divorce more than the first one um, that has taken me years to rebuild. I mean, people talk about their credit being shot. That's a thing. You know, when someone leaves you in such disarray, it's really hard to recover. Lost relationships would be another way that it's mm. really affected me. Um, I felt like an exposed nerve. I felt like everything hurt. And I was so broken and so angry that it was just hard to have relationships with people. Um, I had just gone through so much hurt. I just, I didn't know who to trust. And the people near me, I, I just felt so vulnerable with and, and helpless. Um, but also how it affected me, I want to be honest, it was a huge relief. It was like, I don't have to look over my shoulder all the time. I don't have to live in this fear of what woman's going to pop up next or which friend or which person at church is going to come to me and tell me that they're having a relationship with him. Um, and for the first time in a long time, I started to feel peace. And that is so valuable is to be able to find that peace. So yeah, it affected me in a lot of ways, but it also was a big relief and it brought me peace. So, and, and most of all, this is my last one. I no longer had to do the false perfection. I never had to, I didn't have to like cover up for him right. and, and make excuses and be, feel embarrassed. Like everyone knew, okay, that fell apart. Seal is divorced again. You know, and that was like, I didn't have to, to live a lie. I guess you kind of didn't care at that point. And I didn't care. <laughs> I mean, I can imagine. I didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. Like whatever. People and I was so broken. I, I don't, my emotions were all over the place. My feelings were everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Were you still engaged in going to church at that, at yeah. this, in that season? Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. I still was. Kind of so that's the, 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 the church thing and our faith, I know, is, is part of both of our journeys. And so I'm curious to see. But I wasn't know. in a church that provided support. Okay. We're in a church now that there is support for anything you're dealing with, mm -hmm. anything you're going through. And you're allowed to be honest. You're allowed to be like, I'm a broken mess. And they love you. The church I went to then, I wasn't. You know, my family was in leadership and, and pastors. And I had to keep up some bit of um, perfection for, their, for them and for their stories and for their, you know, life. And I couldn't blow it all up. So I couldn't be as honest as I'm being right now. I'm sure right. there's people that I went to church with that'll hear this and the last episode and be like, wow, I didn't know it was that bad. Mm. You know, it was. Mm. It was so bad, but I couldn't be honest. I couldn't be vulnerable. Mm. Mm. I can't imagine. Yeah. Well, you know, I've always loved and admired your courage. In your strength, and we get uh, courage oftentimes from encouragement. So how do you want to uh, conclude today by encouraging our audience? So I guess my first one would be is I had to come to the realization that you can't change someone that doesn't see an issue in their behavior mm, or actions. That's real. And I tried. I tried for so long to change him, to convict him, try to convict him, try to tell him he's wrong, try this, try that. I couldn't. You cannot change someone else. You can only change yourself and how you react to them. And that's what I had to change. If Second, if you know of anybody, a friend, a family member, a neighbor, you know, another mom at your kid's school who's going through a divorce, 
please reach out to them. As a divorced person, we already feel so isolated and so broken. And when our loved ones and friends distance themselves, it makes it so much worse because you're already feeling lonely and then you're losing friends at the same time. And I know a lot of people are like, I don't know what to say. I don't want to make them uncomfortable. I don't want to make them cry or, you know, get in their business. There's ways that you can let someone know that you're there for them without getting in their business. And I'm going to give you four really practical ones right now. Okay. So one is you can say to them, I don't know how you must feel, but can I sit with you and be a listening ear? That's it. It's that easy. Here's another one. No one deserves this type of pain and hurt. And I care for you and I'm here for you. Simple. Um, here's another one. I know it's, I know that this is really big and I am not sure what to do, but how can I be there for you? And let them tell you. And the last one is sometimes it's okay not to be okay. And you sometimes need your friend, family, loved one, give them that permission that it's okay not to be okay right now. It's okay not to have it all together and to be confused and be all over the place. Lord knows I was. And I tried keeping it together for people when I just needed someone to tell me it's okay. You don't have to have it all together right now. Um, so as I shared earlier, loneliness and lost relationships were two of the hardest things for me. So you have no idea the difference it makes just being there for someone in difficult times. And the last thing I'm going to leave you with is that even on your hard days, remember that your situation and your suffering does not define you. You will start to trust again. And trust me, there is joy and love on the other side. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next time. I know many of you during this pandemic have been trapped inside and have been itching to travel. Well, we have the travel partner just for you. Axis Luxury Travel, a full service travel concierge company. Now, they've created unique experiences tailored to you, the modern traveler, and they're going to give you way more than you're going to find on any silly Google search. Right. So they've traveled the world and, of course, have been able to personally handpick luxury hotel collections, experiences and so many other amenities just for you so they can make the recommendations with confidence. Why? Because they've experienced it. That simple. So whether you're a solo traveler a romantic couple looking for a getaway, a family, a large group or a corporation, they can help you make your plans and get you the best deals. Check out AxisTravel.com. That's A-X-E-U-S Travel.com. 